Hey, I'm Micah. And I'm Jen. From 1994 to 1996, Jen lived in the middle of nowhere, Montana. But not by choice. She was sent to a therapeutic boarding school. I had some issues. While there, she performed hard labor. There was also a lot of forced exercise. Went through daily, hours-long group therapy. That shit didn't work. And when she left, she was left with some holes in her life. Holes? One of the holes was her pop culture hole. Yeah, I missed a lot of shit. And that's a hole we can fill. I love you, always, forever, together, you, Jen, please stop. It's time for... I never saw that. Hey, everybody. Welcome to I Never Saw That. Um, This is a very special week because Micah and I are not alone. We're not alone anymore. The void feels a little bit smaller. (laughs) Um, Friend of the show and fellow podcaster and patron of ours, Pat Mobley is here to join us. He made a playlist. Hi, Pat. Hey, what's up? Hi, Pat. Thanks for coming on. Uh, My pleasure. We're very excited. I'm excited to be here. I really like when we get to do music because we don't do it as often because it feels harder to us for some reason. Um, Why do you think that is? I don't know. I feel kind of the same way. I think movies to me feel like contained little packages that I can interpret and like put away. In a way, you know what I mean? Like I can consume it and then put it away and be done. And that was a movie. But yeah. a, music just seems, I don't know, much more. It's more experiential. Yeah. yeah and totally. there are a lot more things it, yeah. going on that you can talk about. It's not as like, we can't do a plot summary and then make fun of things, which is right. what we do. It's, it's also, it's so personal and so nostalgic and so tied to. Yes. I mean, experiences. Yeah, it's experiential. I think that's a good way to put it. And that's why I love that you made a playlist because yeah, it it does take me back in a different way than movies do. Like, I remember going to see a movie when it came out, but with music, it's like, yeah, I remember hearing this song that summer when oh, it yeah. came out. Or yeah. I remember yeah, you're like transported playing to that with place. my friends. Or, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Pat, do you mind if I ask how old are you? I am. Well, actually, I'll be 40 in October. Oh, congratulations. The 40s are great. (laughs) I hope so. Um, I like them so far. So just to save me the math, um, how old were you between 1994 and 96? (laughs) Yeah, so I would have turned 12 in 94. So I think this is like Ah. sixth and seventh grade for me. Oh, adorable. Okay. that's, That's cute. I hope it also explains some of the terrible songs that are on my playlist. <laughs> no, it's perfect. I love I love this playlist because it's really diverse. Too. It is, yes. There's a lot of, like, when I first looked through the list, I didn't recognize some of the titles, but they were all, as soon as I heard them, I was like, oh, yeah, I know that song. <laughs> and yeah, they're same. just all over the place, and I love that about yeah, it. Yeah, most of them are, like, I, I experienced them in that time, but some of them, the better ones, I have discovered since. <laughs> Uh, so I think that there's, uh, yeah. a, there's a nice mix of, of like authentic sixth and seventh grade enjoyment and, you know, a more mature 40-year-old take on some of these songs. I felt for me, for the most part, not entirely, but I felt like it got better and better as it went. That's how I felt. I don't know if you did that on purpose, but that's... I think I just put the songs in chronological order, actually. I didn't oh, uh, I didn't cool. want to try and think about the order. And so, yeah, I think that they're just in chronological order by their release. Smart. Here's the thing. 
Micah, we have 15 songs to talk about, and I think like maybe yeah. because of that, we should just skip the stupid thing you usually do. No. Oh, no. We can't. I'm the guest. I decide. Let <laughs> me do it. <laughs> See you in the funny papers. See you in the funny papers. Funny Pat actually helped me. Um, I did a thing. It's kind of a, it's one of our fan favorite things that I do. And definitely one of Jen's favorite things that I do. Um, I shared a couple different comics with Pat before we started recording and <laughs> let him pick one. Um, they were both terrible, I think, in, in different ways. Yes, very um, different ways that they're terrible, but terrible nonetheless. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> The one he didn't pick was a Frank and Ernest, and we'll get back to it someday. You know, when we when well, we have to start over. Okay, um, it's so bad. It's, it's really bad. <laughs> like it and... made me angry. You know, I, I, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I like do Jen, know. I'm with you on some of these because uh-huh. it was uh-huh. like, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it yeah. didn't feel like there was a lot of effort put in, and it was just a. I wanted to pick it kind of because it was like a sight gag, um, <laughs> yeah. which is fun to try to describe. Uh, but the one he chose was a Wizard of Id. Oh, nice. From October 4th, 1994. And I chose that because, well, you'll see. I have a a soft place in my heart, a soft spot in my heart for The Wizard of Id because I read a lot of comics when I was little. And probably, you know, sixth, seventh grade, I was reading comics and I had a bunch of old, like inherited comic books and Wizard of Id and BC were among them. So I actually, I've read, I don't know, hundreds of Wizard of Id strips over the years. Wow. So you probably know all the character names and stuff. I, I probably did it one time, but I have, uh, you know, I've got other more important things in my brain now. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just want to say, um, not to like make it awkward or like uncomfortable, you know, because of my anger, but um, I, Pat was given the option to not see the comic and have to go through it with me. And I just want to say, um, betrayal. That's, that's a legitimate reaction Jen, but let me let me kind of explain where where I'm coming from. So yeah, yeah, I, I like surprises, right? And so I, I I and I and I I enjoy showing solidarity. So that counseled toward not knowing what the comic strip mm-hmm. was going to be. Right. But I also really like having power and being withholding, and so that just overruled <laughs> any desire I might have had not to know what the comic strip looks like. Cool, I love it, <laughs> Pat. I feel like you really get the spirit of this segment. <laughs> And yeah, I appreciate that. I love that I'm you're like, don't it. worry, I have I have an explanation. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. So you mentioned uh, BC. Um, also, BC is great by Johnny Hart. Um, Wizard of Id was by Brant Parker and Johnny Hart. I don't know if Parker was involved in BC. I'm not well versed enough. Um, it doesn't matter. But they have those dudes are dead <laughs> and good for them. It really sure doesn't matter. That's. The truest thing oh. that would be said. <laughs> so, Wizard of Id. Um, Jen, you're familiar. I'm, I'm familiar. Guessing. I don't know characters, but yes, I've read a lot of. But Wizard you know Ed. the little like, the little king guy, mm-hmm. who's like little short dude, basically a, a head with a crown, a huge nose and feet. So he's <laughs> in this one. Um, and there's a, a prisoner, um, and then there's the hangman. So those are our three characters, and we've got three panels today. Okay. Uh, Pat, do you just want to jump in or do you want to start? How do you want to do this? Well, sure, sure. I'll, I'll take the first panel and then I'll let you take it from there so that you can have the punchline. Okay. <laughs> Such but, as you know, it is. I, I'm not trying to come on your show and rob you of that. So 
what we have in the first panel, Jen, is there's a there's a gallows, or or at least the okay. platform of a gallows, and a noose is hanging in the middle of of the the panel. It's rather threatening. There is a man who is tied up. He has uh, a rope coiled around his upper body, tying his arms to himself. There is a large executioner who is not wearing a shirt, but does have on one of those weird sort of uh, executioner black mask hood things. And then there is the little king. He is standing on the steps leading up to the gallows, and he has a smirk on his face because he's delivering good news. He's telling the prisoner, I've decided not to hang you. I'm granting you a pardon. But Micah, the, the prisoner goes on to really mess it up. It's, this is dark, though. This yeah, is, it is really a dark. dark premise. It is. The threat of violence really hangs over this whole strip. Yeah. I like that you pointed out that the executioner has no shirt yeah, on. Yeah, I do too, because that's the main image that I have in my head right now. You can just... see his belly button uh-huh. and some, I'm guessing, chest hair uh-huh. in the Nipples? middle. They're just Can little you... dots. It's kind of shaped like Totoro. <laughs> yes, Aww, he is. So he totally he's is. a really cute, fluffy executioner. Executioner? Uh, he's not, though. Executioner. He's shaped like Totoro. I know, but, but I know. He's not, he doesn't look cute or fluffy. Um, he also has, like, I don't know if it's a tattoo or a scar, probably a scar on his wrist. Um, Ooh. And his fingers are wild to me. I just wanted to point out a few little things there. But, yeah, good catch with the no shirt because <laughs> why? <laughs> yeah. Was that a thing? Like, I have to wear this hood. <laughs> they so had you can't, the mask. Yeah, you they don't had... <laughs> know who I am, but if you've ever seen me with my top off. He may be barefoot as well. It does look like he's barefoot. It's very They're kind strange. of all barefoot, aren't they, all the time? Or no? Is that BC that I'm thinking of? I'm, you're thinking of BC. Okay, second panel. Him. Okay, second panel. It's a skinny little one right in the middle of these two kind of wider ones. And the prisoner, it's kind of just a close-up on him, kind of a medium shot, you know, chest and and up. And we see the coils of ropes. Um, and his mouth is wide open. And he looks kind of happy because he just got this good news, right, from the king. Said he's not going to hang him. He's granting him a pardon. And I'm really nervous about where this is going. <laughs> the prisoner says, No noose is good noose. Oh. Now, that's the second panel? Jen, that's the second I was panel. just going to wonder, Jen, whether you had noticed that it sounds like we got a punchline in the second panel. It sure does. Like, that sounds like that should be the end right there. I mean, that, I'm, I'm I mean, always here for a good pun. So. It's a, yeah, it's a pun, at least. You know, it's something. Right. It could end it's there. a pun. It's in the second panel. And then this fool draws a third panel. (laughs) (laughs) He's just filling space, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops, I made that one too skinny. Guess I have to write more. (laughs) Uh, Pat, since you're our guest, if you're up for it, I think I'd love for you to have the final panel. I I can do it. I can do it. So we zoom back out and we see our three characters again. Um, Everyone's expression has changed they seem considerably less happy and the king is saying hang him what i'm sorry is that it pat that's it. are that, you telling me that's, that's it. i told you the it. whole thing you're telling me that's it yep and the king is walking down the steps like he's out of here he's not into puns so he's just he's just he's angry about the pun He's angry because it's why? Yeah, he's killing. He's gonna have him killed now, executed just for the pun. Um, this prisoner was on trial for uh, multiple murders before, and he was gonna <laughs> let him off for that. 
But this pun was so How bad. How do you know that? Does the prisoner have like a bunch of teardrop tattoos? Well, I did or? a bunch of research, like I do, Jen. Oh. And I mm-hmm. I read about this prisoner in this Wizard of Iz comic. I don't think, I don't Wizard think so. Of Iz comic. I don't think you <laughs> can do that. See it. So, okay. So we went from like dark to, oh, just kidding, not dark, to even real, darker. Real fucking dark. Right. With a pun in the middle. I mean, okay. I mean, whatever. You know, this this fellow who, who drew this, he came up with this noose pun. You know, he just floated into exactly. his brain in the shower one day or whatever. And he's like, you know what? I have a comic strip. I'm gonna That's put exactly right. I'm gonna put that pun in there. And you know what? It works. I got a king in my comic strip. I, I can make this happen. But then he like he his joke is that the joke is bad. He puts yeah. the punchline. <laughs> yeah. This is all very he's talking frustrating. shit about his own joke. It's like the most it's the least self-aware comic strip artist ever. <laughs> like, look how bad this pun is, guys. I'm gonna make fun of it. Oh wait, shit. All my life's work is bad, bad puns. I yeah, I mean it, it should have ended on the pun period. Like, you gotta just own it. You have to own your shitty joke. Like it's you know what I mean. Like puns are. I don't even think it's that bad. They no, are what it's... they are, but they speak for themselves. That's right. Yeah, and that seems like a good place to end this stupid thing. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, Pat. I appreciate the help. <laughs> oh, my pleasure. See you in the funny paper soon. Okay, let's get into this playlist. Okay, I don't have the track list in front of me, but I do remember what the first song was. Because um, it was Blues Traveler. Yeah, Runaround. Yeah, I, I may have overlapped with some previous playlists, but this one was hard to avoid. Yeah. Well, no, actually, so James Anderson did a playlist with us, and he did a different Blues Traveler Traveler song. Okay, good. Um, but he did, he used one of the same songs you did, but we'll... I think they're from the same album, though. Uh, it was from Four, their fourth studio album. So I'm only going to be an asshole one time on wow, this really? show, and that is just to say I really fucking hate Blues Traveler. But I did, I, I, I don't... <sighs> With that out of the way, Pat, why don't you share why this song is important to you? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Pat. I'm sorry. I, Look, uh, yeah. There, there are plenty of bad songs on this playlist. <laughs> I, I think that that hating blues traveler is not unreasonable, but it's not it's not the worst <laughs> music that was coming out in 1995 by any For means. For sure. So, you know, this was uh, right around the time that I was really starting to listen to music on my own instead of just listening to the country radio station in the car with my dad and i decided that the that john popper's harmonica was just the most virtuosic instrument i had ever heard and so i couldn't get enough of this guy just blasting all these super fast notes on his mouth harp i mean i do i do absolutely admit that he I mean, it makes them unique, and I I do dig the harmonica, actually. I don't know why I don't like it when he plays it. I don't know. I, I can't really explain to you what it is. Um, it can just also, be too much. I, maybe that's what it is. And also, like... It is a lot. It's kind of funny that I was gone for this, because I've heard that song a million times. Like, 
Yeah. And this is something I think we talked about this the last time we talked about Loose Traveler. Like he is a really good fucking yeah, harmonica player. He's really player. good at what he does. Yeah. Um, this album was huge and this got tons of radio play. Yeah. This song was ubiquitous. All I remember, all I know is that I remember very vividly being on the bus and this song playing and a friend of mine singing along to it. And I think that that was probably what made me go buy the CD because when you're in seventh grade or whatever, being like everyone else is like your main thing. And so, right. Yeah. Of course. My friend sang along to run around. And so then I bought four. I mean, yeah. Okay. I, I was also older, you know, a little bit. And so I had. A little bit of musical cynicism maybe already too when uh i first heard blues traveler i don't know i i, I think that's probably yeah you're it. gonna be 40 soon pat so you know something we should tell you is that you're you're gonna become kind of cynical oh. about no, I, the world I and meant back politics the, that's heartbreaking to learn mm -hmm. you can also hold on to some hope and wonder if you're if you're strong enough oh i don't have that either though <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> Just put uh, on that Blues Traveler CD. Do you still have the CD? You're going to not give a fuck. That's what you're going to do. You're not going to give any fucks at all. Oh, sorry. Answer that question. I have hundreds of CDs in my basement because I have like a hoarder, can't get rid of them, serious issue. They are uh, very emotionally charged for me. And so they will probably stay in my basement until I die. Before Jen says anything, <laughs> I'm... On the same yeah, page. He and is. We've, we have. Totally the same thing. Last time we moved, we had a big fight about this, actually, because I was like, we don't need them anymore. Like, you can stream everything. It's not about need. But you can. I know. I know. I get it. Sometimes you want to pull I mean, out the box and look at the CDs. That I can say that's related also to Montana is that my fucking parents threw out all my most significant CDs when Oof. I was gone. Like, so. I don't know. Maybe that's part of the reason I don't have as much attachment to them in general. Like they threw, yeah, yeah. It, and I was, so, I'm still so mad at them about it. Was that just a cleaning out the room and oh, you know, just getting stuff out of the way, or was it like Jen's personality is wrong and so we yes. need to change everything about her? Yeah, it was because the people at the school told them that I was fucked up and the music I was listening to was part of it. It was like you know, Nirvana. Right. Pearl Jam, Guns N' Roses. The cool uh, bands. The, yeah, all the good shit. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay. Song two. Song two is Ants Marching by the Dave Matthews Band. One of Jen's favorites. I, okay, so this was perfect that this was on there. And um, I feel like the Dave Matthews Band is kind of similar to Blues Traveler in that there is like a virtuosic sort of... That's definitely the word you were looking for. Appeal to them. Yeah, thank you. Um, like the violinist and just, I don't know, they're unique. But anyway, I did love the Dave Matthews Band um, My just after I left Montana. So, and the actually the summer after I left Montana, I went back to Montana to work at Glacier Park. And I went to see Dave Matthews at the Gorge. That's a classic 1990s concert experience. Yeah. Absolutely. So this was the second single from their debut album, which came out in 95. Yeah. So this you would have totally missed. But like music, like we talked about before, this music was kind of ubiquitous. And so you 
would hear it later and people had CDs and it kind of lived on. And so you've experienced some of these things. You just weren't there when they came out necessarily. But it's weird that it just feels like I was there. I don't know. It, it like a lot of the, a lot of these songs, I'm like, really? I wasn't there when this came out because. Well, this song in particular is like, to me, who I wasn't a Dave Matthews fan. It's like the Dave Matthews band song. This and like Satellite. Right. They're the ones I know, and they were played on the radio Crash. nonstop for years. Yeah. So. Yes, yes, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, was the, well, I, I would have told you that I was the world's largest Dave Matthews band fan. <laughs> I, although that didn't really happen until uh, maybe maybe high school. So, you know, I probably didn't hear Ants Marching right when it came out, but I did hear a very bad version of it performed by a couple guys at my summer camp one summer and just from that i knew that i loved that song and i went home and like immediately had to figure out what it was that sounds amazing the rest is history i i mean i've seen i saw i haven't seen them in many years but i saw dave matthews band uh 10 12 times probably wow uh, and I actually need to correct you, Micah. This is not from their debut album. They had a uh, an album that wasn't on a major label that came out before uh. this one. And if you're a real Dave head, then you know that. <laughs> I think in in ninth grade, I actually we had to give like a book report, and I I talked about uh, this book I read about Dave Matthews Band. Yeah, wow. Really? So you were like diehard. Are you still? No, a I kind of think fan? it sucks. Like. I, that's kind of how I feel now, too. Yeah, and I, it's a complicated relationship that I have because it was really, really important to me. And I, I, I felt much like you just described, Jen. I feel like there I, I felt like there's a sort of virtuoso quality to it. Uh, you know, I, I was in band and stuff. And so I always wanted to have like the smartest music, uh, which which yes, Dave sure. Matthews band kind of fit until you like actually start to listen to it. And it, it the word that I like to use for it is just masturbatory. Navel gazing. So, (laughs) so true. Like, there's no point to playing the violin that way. You know, it's just like. I really thought you were going to say that well. (laughs) There's no point to play it that well. Come on. You're just showing off. No, I just mean they don't need it, right? And it just, it's so, yeah, pretentious. Yeah, I. That's a good way of putting it. I, For me, I feel like I – so I had come from Montana where I wasn't exposed to anything new. And then I heard them and then I started dating this dude who was really into them. And that's really, you know, probably how I got into them. But then our sophomore year in college, that's when I became a DJ at our radio station. And I feel like I just discovered – much better music. And I did not know that you were a college DJ. That's like yeah, a that's a real uh, that's a real character trait that people can you know make a lot of uh, inferences based on. Yeah. Yes. Oh man. We were both. Please do. College DJs. That's kind of how we met through the that group of friends. Do and... you all have an outrageous amount of vinyl in your home now? Oh yeah. 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 Oh, good for you. That's mostly Micah. And um, No, we're insufferable. Yeah, we're insufferable music snobs because of it. Although no, we're no, recovering. No. I am not a music snob and anymore. Were you were you college DJing like in the state of Washington during like the height of grunge? In was, Oregon a few years after. It was it was a little bit post grunge, yeah. So it was well, like 96. Super cool nonetheless. 
to 2000. It, honestly, it was the best thing I did in college. I loved it so much. It was a great was time really to be a fun. DJ. And as like an 18-year-old, to have access and contacts in the music industry that would send us stuff and like get us into shows for free, it was an amazing experience. That's awesome. I just... I just loved being a DJ. I mean, I loved it. I loved, yeah, it was it was super fun. It's like your job is to have the aux cord. Yeah, exactly. And I, I learned, I just learned so much about, yeah, new, about music that I had not heard and maybe would have heard if I had stayed around or maybe not. I don't know. But like, that's a thing I've thought about a lot. But like, how would my musical tastes have been or would they have been different, you know, when I went to college? than they were coming out of like the black hole of, you know, Montana. That's an interesting question. I would guess, though, that by the time you got out of college, your music taste would have come to where it is now, regardless of how you entered. I know that for me, like my music fandom transformed in college. I started, you know, having friends in bands and things like that. I think it's similar to your DJ experience. Um, Yeah, you start to understand that Dave Matthews Band is, yeah, just not... (laughs) They're not that great. Not that good. (laughs) But they seemed so good for a little bit. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, I mean, they, they, it's just they, funny. They improvised on stage, live on stage, improvising. They it's didn't. Amazing. That music is not written down anywhere. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Props where props are deserved, you know. Number three is Machine Head by Bush. Oh, this is the song. This is the one song that you and James both put on your playlist. Okay. Which I'm, I'm interested in. Also, you guys were about the same age. I think you might be one year older than James. So, but like 12, 13. Yeah. I remember us being, uh, being close in age. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so tell me about, like, talk to me about this song. So it, it was this one or glycerine. Um, and, mm-hmm. and this one, uh, I don't know. I, I think about this one more when I think back to the time and the main thing that I think of when I think of Bush is the outrageous jealousy in my heart for Gavin Rossdale because my 8th grade girlfriend could not stop talking about how much she loved him. Really? Oh, wow. Interesting. So did you actually sort of hate this band? I I sort of liked the band because everybody liked this band. But I... And, and, you know, I don't think that I blamed Gavin. I think that it was just <laughs> pure, you know, un, unbridled, just eighth grade rage yeah. at oh, the yeah. nearest person, which mm-hmm. is the poor girl who said that she liked Gavin. Right. <laughs> I So I feel like Bush is something that I did miss somehow. I, I mean, I just never – I thought Bush had a female – singer until until we did really our playlist with james i did not yeah they sounded totally different than i thought they did and i still don't know what band i was were you thinking of of like garbage or yes i think i was thinking of garbage actually also gavin rossdale was married to or at least dating gwen stefani during this time so uh, you may have associated her with with bush somehow they were a serious power couple yeah. Yes, I I do remember. They they're married, aren't they? Or they they're were, not anymore. They were She's now married to Blake Shelton, I think. I believe that is the case. Yes. Isn't that the, the voice guy? They were on The Voice together, right? Or some show like that. Yes. 
uh, you know, going back and listening to Bush now, because I think this album came out in like 94, but this wasn't the single. It wasn't a, like a radio single until like 96. Um, it was the last single on the album and it was huge. It was getting played everywhere. It was just an interesting compliment to like the post grunge scene. Yeah. It, it, to me, it sounds like ass rock, but not quite having gotten to the ass yet because it's still kind of good. (laughs) And it's British. So there's, there's an element of, you know, it's a little bit better. But ass rock was coming at this point. Yeah. For sure. Oh, yeah. They are like harder than I was expecting. Yeah, that's one of the things. Like, I was never really like, into them. Oh, it's like. But I, every time I hear it, I'm like, oh, yeah, this rocks way more than I am expecting it to every time I hear a song <laughs> by Bush. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally how I feel. And they were one of the more grungy metal bands that I was able to tolerate as a young person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The next track is Fake Plastic Trees by Radiohead. Oh, I love this song. Oh, such this a is good a song. Very, it's such very a good sweet song. She lives with a Radiohead and 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 the the bands in particular is maybe the it's maybe the no that's not true but it's it, I liked it at the time I really started to like it in college and I'm still a huge Radiohead fan I'm I'm a 40 year old white guy of course I'm a Radiohead fan <laughs> <laughs> I think actually the bands and this is like among Radiohead fans this is probably sacrilege or whatever um, but I think the Benz is my favorite Radiohead album. It's a great album. They were good when they were a guitar band. Just because they got better doesn't mean they weren't good when they were yeah. a guitar band. I, it was just, and this isn't, this isn't a reflection on the band or fans of Radiohead at all. <laughs> but it just bored me. Like it's different from their later albums. You know, I mean, it's a, right. it's a guitar rock record. It's got catchy songs on it. You know, later on, when when you thought it was boring, I thought that I was smart for liking it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they are definitely one of those bands. I... But, I, but I do think that you are smart for liking it, too, because they're also, like, musically, I think their later work is very interesting. Tom I, York like, is, is a genius. He's maybe yeah. the, the musical genius of our era. Yeah, and I, it's like, I see what they're doing, but I just don't care. That's how I feel about Wilco. Yeah. I, I, I have, have that response to Wilco, but Radiohead, I really, I, I, I don't listen to a ton of Radiohead, but I love... I love his voice, and and so for me, it's never it's never boring. It's a fantastic song, and I need to put in a plug here for one of my favorite new artists, Phoebe Bridgers. She has a cover yeah. of this in a YouTube video with Ooh. Arlo Parks that is fantastic. I'm gonna write that down. That does sound really good. It's like BBC. It's a BBC radio video, um, hmm. and it's it's fantastic. Speaking of video, the other time that this particular song came up on our podcast was uh, during our recent Beavis and Butthead episodes oh, yeah. that we watched. Yeah. It was one of the videos they watched, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Tom York and was they, a funny looking dude. Well, he still yes. kind of is, but he was much, <laughs> he somehow was funnier looking when he was young. That's what they talked about in the video. <laughs> yeah, if Beavis and Butthead are calling you funny looking, yeesh. Oh, man. <laughs> That's rough. <laughs> this next track is one that I thought I didn't know. But then when I read about it, I was like, oh, I know that guy. And then I heard it and was like, oh, yeah, I do know this song. Oh, yeah, it's uh, this... Back for Good by Take That. Yes. <laughs> This song is fucking terrible. I had the same I had the same response. I didn't know what it was and then I listened to it and I'm glad that you said that Pat. I don't I mean I don't know. I I did I listened to it once. The second time I went through the playlist, I did skip most of this one. That's that's it's, fair. That's fair. It's a little it's a little bit um I don't know. I can't think of it now. Pat sing it. Uh, Robbie Williams is not walking through that door, but uh, it's something like, <laughs> I want you back. I want you back. You know, I want you back for good. Okay. It's okay, like, okay, it's, yes. it's, it's like before it's boy band music before they really knew how to make boy band music. Yes. And it's yeah, got this sort good, of yeah. like, you know, sentimental chord progression that, that really tugged at my heartstrings as a young person. Yes, but my God, yes. this is just unbearable now. Sentimental is the kind of the word I think I was uh, searching for. Yes. But it's yes. really interesting, like early Robbie Williams stuff, because he went on to become a huge star. I don't know that much about him, but I or I had never heard like this is one of the songs I had heard it before, but I have never heard of Take That. Yeah. I never would have connected that. He was in a boy band and then he, he was kind of like Justin Timberlake, I think. Like he became the most yeah. famous pop star in Britain. I love it when you hate the songs that you put on here. It's making me happy. I don't know why. Yeah, that was going to happen. It was bound to happen. I had terrible taste in music and I couldn't, you know, I I was looking at all of the songs that ever came out in this time period and there are a lot of good ones, but it would have been dishonest for me to include them having discovered them many years later. I, I felt like I needed to be honest with the listeners of I Never Saw That and let them know that I did. I bought, I, it, in fact, it's in my basement with the rest of my CDs. I have the Take That album. Wow. Awesome. I mean, how many people own that? You know what I mean? You're probably... In the United States, probably, yeah, just a handful of yeah. us. <laughs> you and two other Robbie Williams fans. I, right? I really do appreciate you being doing this honestly, though. I really, I because, like, of course, we've all had bad taste in music at various times. Yeah, I mean, you're supposed to have bad taste when you're in sixth or seventh grade. Honestly, I don't or have any regrets about anything I ever loved. I no. mean, I was, I loved the fucking new kids on the block, man. And I stand by that. Yeah, I really appreciate that you like put together a playlist of things that were important to you back then. Yes. Because, you know, coming from the college radio DJ world, <laughs> there's a whole lot of pretension and like, Oh, yeah, I only have ever listened to amazing music. Yeah, which yeah. is like, fuck you. Come on. Fuck off. Yeah, That's we where all I like... got to with music from the knots. I, was, I, I wasn't a DJ, but I was certainly as pretentious as one. I had friends in bands, so I knew what indie rock was and what it oh, should yeah. be. Right, right. Oh, that's how we were the same way. And it's really fun and freeing to go back and be like, no, you know what? This song sucks. This. And yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and a lot of these songs, like the next one, Breakfast at Tiffany's by Deep Blue Something, um, they were songs that I had heard, but then like immediately forgot about and never listened to again. Like this is, they were kind of a one hit wonder, you could yes. say. And it took them a few tries to get their one hit because this song was actually released in 1993 originally and then re-recorded and re-released oh, on really? their, their 94 album. And then Interscope picked them up in 95 and re-released the album and that's when it became a hit. This song feels like it's definitely of its time. I f- it feels like it should have been in like Dawson's Creek or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? like Or some teen show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I mean. It's that 90s sort of light alternative rock, yes, which you exactly. might also know from bands such as Delamitri. Uh, yeah. Uh, Roll to Me was Delamitri's one hit. Uh, gin Blossoms are similar, I would say, to yeah. Deep Blue yeah. Something. There oh, was a whole the sort of, yeah, like yeah. light yeah. alternative rock genre that exploded at this time. So tell I still us listen about to it sometimes. Breakfast at Tiffany's. You listen to this song, you mean? Or like that genre? Yeah, I listened to this song. I listened to yeah. uh, a few Gin Blossom songs. I like the Gin Blossoms. Oh, yeah. They're good. Uh, Wallflowers is kind of in this vein, I think. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So what was it about Breakfast at Tiffany's that, that struck 12 or 13-year-old Pat? I, I think I was just exposed to it a lot. I think I heard yeah. it on the radio so much and saw you know other people experiencing it that it was just... You know, I, like I listen to moment. the song now really more as an exercise in nostalgia than I do in, oh boy, this is right. great music. Uh, I don't remember, I don't have a specific memory attached to it, except just sort of positive feelings about music in childhood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it does. Aww. It's a nice, light, poppy song, and it feels like... It it totally transported me back to the mid-90s, and it feels like that. Like, you'd hear it in the mall or at the record store when you're searching for stuff. And it's the type of song you'd be like, who is this? I want to buy this record. That's a great word, Micah. I think that this is one of the more like transporting, transportive songs that are, that's on the list. I did want to talk about some of the lyrics though, because as I was listening to it for the second or third time um, recently, I realized that the lyrics are very, very repetitive. There aren't (laughs) a whole lot of them. And basically if I'm interpreting this correctly, it's about (laughs) a guy and his girlfriend or partner um, not having a great relationship and things are kind of falling apart. And he suggests- they both like the movie. Hey, That's precisely it. What about Breakfast at Tiffany's? And her response is, I think I remember that film. (laughs) Uh, If I remember correctly, we both kind of liked it. And he says, yes, that's the one thing we got, baby. Yes. We got to stay together. I noticed that this time, Because we both kind of like a film that maybe we both liked and maybe we both remember. Not sure. And I said, what about breakfast to Tiffany? She said, I think I remember the film. And as I recall, I think we both kind of liked it. And I said, well, that's the one thing we got. I had never listened to those lyrics either at all. So I also had that reaction. But I really, I have a soft spot in my heart for songs that sound a certain way and make you feel a certain way. And then you hear the lyrics and you're like, oh, that's fucked up. Or that's really dark. Or, oh, that's really sad. And it doesn't match at all. I really, really love that. So 
I want to thank you for reintroducing me <laughs> to this song because I never would have found it again on my own. I yeah, don't know when it would have come up. It's like this happy, poppy breakup song, right? Like I always thought that she was trying to break up with him. And then even the way that he says it, like, well, what about breakfast at Tiffany's is like yeah, yeah. a desperate flailing dude just right, trying to yes. come up with some reason that she shouldn't walk away right now. The next track is Hyper Ballad by Bjork. Ooh, so good. I fucking love this song. Oh, God, so this song's good. so good. It's, it's so good. good. This song is amazing. It actually is one, I, I, I'm i sure I heard it back in the day, but I really never listened to Bjork until I was an adult. And I discovered this song, it came up on a shuffle uh, maybe a couple of years ago. And I've wow. been like obsessed with it ever since. The The lyrics are are amazing. She describes like, Every morning I go to this cliff and I just like throw shit off this cliff so that by the time you wake up, I feel okay. Yeah. Oh, the lyrics are incredible. Yeah. Hey, this is Micah. Um, I'm just popping in to say that this episode got really long because we loved talking to Pat about his playlist, but we didn't want to make you listen to a super long episode. So we're splitting it into two, which means we'll be back next week with another seeing the funny papers. Maybe it'll be that Frank and Ernest that we alluded to. Um, so yeah, you're getting two, uh, from the same date in 1994 and we'll be back with the rest of the episode and the rest of the playlist next week. Thank you. Thank you all uh, for listening. We appreciate it so much and appreciate you. And uh, thank you to Graham McRae for our artwork. Thank you to Fee-Fi Folios for our internet stuff. Thanks to Minus Violet for our music. Until next time. See you in the 90s. 90s. (laughs) All right. Thank you very much. Beautiful. Awesome. It's 